Everybody say faith in the wild. Come on, we're starting a new series. And you know, I was thinking about when I went to Africa 10 years ago, I was in a safari. We woke up early one morning. We were ministering in Rwanda, Uganda, Tanzania. And I remember driving out in the safari and seeing the elephants, seeing the giraffes, seeing the zebras, the lions. And I remember watching them in the nature, out in the wild. No cages, not domesticated, not tame, just out there in the wild. They were walking, they were growling, they were moving, they were awesome. I remember sitting in that safari truck and I couldn't contain myself. I said, I gotta go and see these animals up close. The safari guy said, no, we can't get out. This is not Jumanji, you cannot get out. I remember being so excited about how these animals operated in the wild. This was not like the zoo. These animals were made to explore. They were made to be free. And I felt something deep in my heart. I heard God speaking, this is what I've called the church to be. Uncaged, untamed in their faith, barbaric in their, courageous, operating without all of the domestication that we try to place on our faith. Come on, God's coming back for a church who lives with faith in the wild. You ready for this series, church? Well, Lord, I just pray right now that you'd speak to us, God, this month. Lord, I pray that we would explore in your word what it looks like to live with faith in 2020, in these wild times, God. I pray, Lord, that you would stir up a courage, God, that you would birth a boldness in us to be your hands and your feet, your mouth, God, and to carry your heartbeat to our nation and to the nations of the earth. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Well, we are starting this new series, Faith in the Wild, and this first talk in this series, I wanna title, Things Are Heating Up. Things Are Heating Up. Turn to someone next to you and say, Things Are Heating Up. If you got a Bible, go to Daniel chapter three. You can make some noise. This is a story about what it looks like to go through a fire, what it looks like to walk through a very intense, heated situation. These young Hebrew boys were living in a foreign land and they were all friends, they were all uh, Hebrew children that had been taken as slaves, captives by the Babylonian Persian Empire, which was the most powerful uh, empire of its day. And they were living underneath a godless king with a godless you know, way of, of uh, how they did things, all their laws. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about the commandments. They didn't care about honoring God in heaven. They had their own idols that they worshiped. And yet these Hebrew boys, they were committed. They were like rebels with a cause. They were like godly rebels. You know, when I think about in the Bible, a lot of the people God used, they, they were just misfits. Like, they didn't fit in with all of the uh, way that everyone else looked. They weren't tame. They weren't caged, right? They were wild. Some of these guys, like Daniel in the lion's den, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Gideon, Joshua, Esther, Deborah, all of these people that God used. And when I started looking through the Bible, I started realizing Jesus didn't come to planet Earth, to make us nice little Christians. He came to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Do not domesticate our God. Do not try to put our God in a cage. Do not try to cage a faith that Jesus wanted the church to live with a wild, radical commitment to courage no matter what was going on in society. During the Victory Conference in August, 
one of the speakers walked into the room and he goes, whoa, whoa, I haven't seen this many people in almost a year, all in the same room. You guys are wild. I said, welcome to the wild, wild west. He said, this is truly wild and it's inspiring. And I feel like my faith is being built up just standing in your room. I had someone come to one of our drive-in services in April and they said, either you're really stupid or you're really smart. And only history will tell. But one thing that we cannot deny is that victory is standing out in the middle of a pandemic. Here's to the crazy ones. We cannot be ignored. Christians were never called to blend in with culture. We were never called to just fit in with the status quo. I remember Ashley and I, we, we took our kids to the zoo a couple years ago the first time. And I remember going into the zoo and seeing these bears behind cages. And I want you to just look at some of these pictures because these bears look so sad in their cages. Just look in there, depressed, isolated, all alone, not alive. And I remember thinking, how many times have Christians bowed down to the cages of the opinions of man, the cages of the fear of being politically correct, not offending the masses, not wanting to be canceled in a cancel culture? We live in these cages, afraid to step out of our homes, afraid to have a voice, afraid to witness in the workplace, afraid to tell anyone we're going to church in the middle of a pandemic. But I'm looking at a group of people in the room today who have embraced faith in the wild. In, in, in uh, Daniel chapter three, verse one, the king of that time, his name was King Nebuchadnezzar. He made an image of gold and it was 80 feet high. And he told everyone, I want you to come to the dedication of this image, this idol that I've set up. He called all the governors, all the mayors, all the officials. And in verse four, it says there was a herald who came out in front of the king. And he said, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. I want to stop right there. There's always a pressure coming from society saying, this is what you are supposed to do. This is what the entire world is supposed to think like, believe like. There used to be something called tolerance, right, where you could, you know, tolerate. But now the world has said, if you don't believe the way we believe, then you are intolerant. I think that's kind of intolerant of them towards our intolerance. <laughs> if you don't see it the way we see it, then we're canceling you. If you, don't believe, if you don't go with what we're going to do, the herd mentality, if the whole herd is doing it, we gotta just follow. And yet Jesus has called us to come against the grain. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. You are going into a dangerous place. You will be surrounded by ravenous wolves. There will be people who want to destroy you, eat up your faith, when you're in your university, when you're in your school, when you're in your neighborhood, in your workplace, there will be people who want to destroy your morals, your convictions, your courage. They will want to silence you. But I'm telling you, be as shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. Be as wise. Nowhere in the Bible does God command us to act like snakes except for in this one spot. It's kind of crazy. I kind of was trying to figure out what does he mean, be wise as a serpent? And I started to look into it. What he meant was, be smart, be strategic, be so smart that even the enemy, people might think, well, that's really naive, that seems really dumb. Don't mistake courage as carelessness. Don't mistake the courage 
that Victory has had during the pandemic as if we don't care about the virus, as if we're naive, as if we're ignorant. I'm smarter than you think I am. There's some people who go, oh, he's just a simple, naive, young little Oklahoma pastor without a doctorate degree. These people in Oklahoma, they don't know. No, no, no. What you don't realize is I spent 30 hours on my knees in prayer. I called the chief of police, the mayor of Tulsa, the governor of Oklahoma. We connected with the vice president of America. We're in connections with businessmen and business leaders. We're a lot more strategic than you think we are. See, I would rather people mistake me as naive and stupid and, and, and underestimate me. Oh, let's have some fun. <laughs> Jesus said, you are going into the world and you are going into a place where it is dangerous and dark and you've got to have courage and you've got to have wisdom in 2020. Because the longer you stay closed, the harder it will be for you to ever open up again. Churches better wake the heck up right now in 2020. If you don't open up, you won't have a church in the next year. There's a reason we opened when we did. There's a reason we did revival from the rooftop. There's a reason we kept feeding groceries even when we ran out of groceries because we serve a God who knows how to multiply the loaves and the fishes. There's a strategy to this. There's a reason why last week theaters finally opened up after five months of being closed, and I'm telling you, it's prophetic. They realize Mulan is gonna be released digitally. Y'all are like, wait, what are you talking about? When, when the directors and the producers of Mulan decided we're gonna skip the theaters, we're gonna release this on Disney+, Plus, it sent a message to every movie theater in America that pretty soon every producer and director is going to do the same thing that Mulan did, and you may not have a theater next year. So if you're gonna open, you better open now. And it, it gave them a wake up call. They said, we gotta open our theaters. And I'm thankful, because I'm a movie goer. But when I saw the theaters open up, I thought, my goodness, if churches would just take a cue from some of the companies and businesses that have been bowing down to the peer pressure of, of trying to please some sort of a, a politically correct culture that's so double standard in their ways, like you can do this, but you can't do this. We can do this, but you can't do this. It is time to wake up. It is time to stand up. It is time to speak up. It is time to show up. We are no longer living in a safe zone. We are in the wild church. And when you're living in the wild, you gotta have a wild faith. You cannot have a tame faith in a wild society. 2020, everything changed. In March, I thought, wow, things are heating up. We had, we had the first sermon in March called Victory Over the Virus, and at that time, nothing had touched America. There was no school closings, no church closings, no company closings, and all of a sudden, within the next week after that sermon, mayors and governors started announcing, you can only gather with 200 people. Scratch that, 150 people. Scratch that, 100 people. Scratch that, 50 people. Scratch that, churches are closed. You're not essential. But the cannabis shops are essential. And the alcohol shops are essential. What? <laughs> I'm about to tick some people off this morning. I came to preach the truth. I'm not bowing down to any political correctness. This series is about to stir up a faith inside of you and inside of me. It is time we speak up about the double standard that this nation has been trying to exalt across the land. So things start heating up. And I start calling our team. I said, guys, we got to figure out what we're going to do. We are not closing down. We are going to do whatever we got to do. We're bringing revival to our city. 
Because in the middle of adversity, in the middle of a pandemic, is an invitation from the Holy Spirit to bring revival to this land. So we started praying. Man, when I look at Jesus in the Bible, he was such a, like he was a rebel in his society. He didn't bow down to the Pharisees, the religious people. Religious people couldn't put Jesus in a box, and political people couldn't put Jesus in a box. You couldn't define, I mean, he hung out with sinners. He was turning water into wine. He was touching dead people, bringing them back to life. He was pulling coins out of fish's mouths. He was multiplying, like this guy was wild. So why are we so domesticated? Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 12, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. What was he saying? He was saying, I didn't call you to shrink back in a corner. You are being attacked on every side. I didn't call you to play defense your entire life. It's time for the church to start playing offense. It's time for the church to get out there and start advancing the kingdom of light in the face of the kingdom of darkness. Things are heating up. In April, things started shifting even more. I thought the virus was it. They said, well, 30 days and we'll be back to normal. At the end of those 30 days, they say, 60 days and we'll be back to normal. At the end of those 60 days, they say, until we get a vaccine, we all need to stay closed. I said, nope, we're going to figure out a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Come on, my God is a way maker. We sang that song all through the pandemic, and here we are having church right here in the middle of our country, and people are getting healed left and right. People are getting saved left and right. Revival is coming, and it's coming right here, right now. Come on, Jesus. He didn't come to tame us. He came to unleash the God potential inside of us. We serve a dangerous God. Dangerously going into places no one else would go. Dangerously attacking the kingdom. Like Jesus walked into a, a, a graveyard where a man had been possessed by over a thousand demons. They called him legion, for we are many. This man was possessed with a thousand demons. And Jesus doesn't flinch. He doesn't shrink back. He goes straight towards the man. He says, legion, I command you, come out of him in Jesus' name. Jesus was driving out spirits left and right. And that's what he's called the church to do. As a kid, I remember seeing this um, music video by one of my favorite artists, Michael W. Smith. And he wrote a song called Secret Ambition. Come on, how many of y'all remember Secret Ambition? People thought Jesus was just this tame, domestic... Not many people raised your hands for secret ambition. <laughs> Come on, how many of y'all remember secret? Do you guys need a refresher? You guys want me to sing secret ambition for you? Come on, don't make my dreams come true. No, instead of singing, I want you to watch a little bit of the music video. Come on, I brought my man's music video this weekend. Check this out, Secret Ambition, 1991. That guy goes to our church, Tom Newman. Look at that vest, y'all. Look at those guns. Yeah. Yes. There's Ashley right there. For troubled times. Nobody knew his secret ambition. 
Sorry, you could stop it right there. Y'all are like, what is going on? Are we just watching music? Yes, we might just watch a music video. Here was the point of that. He was saying, listen, people underestimated what Jesus came to do. He came to flip the tables in the temple. He came to change culture. He, he came to bring revival in his city. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, the things I do, you will do, and even greater things. He was bringing the dead back to life. I love the lyric in that song. Some say death to the radical. Some say death to the rebel. Death to the rebel. I think God's looking for some rebels in 2020. Someone came up to me, um, and it was probably one of my favorite compliments I've gotten ever in my life. They said, you're like a godly rebel. And I was like, you mean that? And they were like, yeah, you're like, a, you're like a godly rebel, like on a motorcycle with your cut off sleeves. You're like a godly rebel on the rooftop. I was like, yeah, come on. God's looking for a godly rebel in the room. Like Daniel, who prayed when they said to shut down your church, shut down your prayer services. Shut, like Daniel refused to be tamed. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to see in this story, these guys were different. They stood out. They lived with courage. They had a backbone. They had an ambition that was to bring God glory in the middle of the craziest times that they were living in. Watch what it says. It says, the herald came out and said, do as you're commanded to do. When you hear the sound of the music, you must fall down and you must worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. The fire is heating up. This summer, things have been heating up in our nation. Even in the last week, more riots breaking out across Rochester and Lexington and Kenosha and Portland and Seattle and Miami and all across the news stations, people are saying, What's going to happen this year? I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to bring revival in the streets of Baltimore and Portland and Seattle and Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's looking for a church. He's looking for Christians, business Christians. He's looking for all kinds of people, teachers, coaches that will live with courage, that will have faith in the wild. Jesus says, you will do what I did. All you have to do is believe. As a church, we're seeing miracles happen all around us. I got a phone call from someone. They said, I saw you, you guys had a dead person come back to life. I said, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but a month ago, we've been talking about it in church, but a month ago, one of our, our church members died and they pronounced her dead and then her heart started beating again, but her brain was dead for almost a week long. But this church kept praying and as we were praying, God was moving. And not only did her brain get healed, they said, you'll be a vegetable the rest of, the, of your life. I want you to see this last week, this girl who was told she would be a vegetable the rest of her life. I want you to watch this video and see what God did this past week, check it out. A month ago, a staff member and a teacher in our school had been rushed to the hospital and we weren't sure if she was going to make it. The doctors had pronounced that she had coded on the table, which means that she had died. But by the miracle working power of God, God showed up through the prayers of this school, this staff, this church, and her family. And today, she is in the room for the first time back at the church. Today, you are looking at the proof of God's existence, the proof of his power and his miracles. So if any of you comes at me and go, I don't know if I believe in this God stuff, 
I am going to show you a picture of Ashley Ansbaugh and say, I have no further thoughts. Before and after. The before and after. Ashley, tell them what God's done. Oh, I had so many prayers going out. Uh, but again, I don't remember anything. I still don't remember anything. Uh, but the first night I remember was watching Victory Conference, Darius Daniels, and he said to roar like a lion. And I just started roaring. <laughs> I was like, this ain't, this is not what's going to happen. And we just watched the rest of the conference the rest of the week. Uh, but they just kept saying, you're getting better so fast. We don't know what to do with you. So they took me from ICU to just a normal hospital room, and I just kept getting better. They kept coming in every couple hours and been like, this is better than two, two hours ago. Um, so then they moved me to a rehab facility where I was supposed to be there for like three weeks. I was only there for like seven days. Uh, then I was able to go back home. Uh, like you guys just saw, I don't need the walker. I have it, but I don't need it. So tomorrow I go back to the therapy place and hopefully they say, you don't need it. So that would be awesome. So. The fact that she was dead and now not only is she alive, she came walking into the high school chapel, got a standing ovation from all these high school students. Guys, I'm telling you, God is on the move. God is on the move. It says during this time, they said, whoever does not bow down and worship this image will be immediately thrown into the furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the music, all the nations and the peoples, every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, there were some astrologers that came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and all the music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace but there are some Jews come on but there are some people in Tulsa Oklahoma but there are some Christians in the workplace who refuse to bow down to the peer pressure of what everyone else is telling them to do there are some Christians who are lifting up a standard there are some people who are standing up for God in the workplace I love seeing when people take a stand in the public offices. I love, like this last month, I saw an NBA player who was just preaching about the power of God and Jesus. And people were telling him, you can't talk like that. You can't say his name like that. And yet he got more courageous. We need more courageous people in the workplace, in the sports arenas, on Twitter, on Instagram. If we're gonna be courageous about ungodly things, we need to start being courageous. Like if the world is gonna be bold about what they're standing for, it's time for the church to be bold about what we're standing for. We've got to fight back faith in the wild. So it says there are some Jews. Whenever you take a stand, people will start talking. Anytime you take a stand, people will start talking. They can't ignore it. They can't ignore it. They may not like it, but they can't ignore it. There's some Jews that refuse to listen to you. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They pay no attention to your command. They pay no attention to what you've asked everyone else to do. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. 
I wanna just give a few thoughts about these guys. What made them stand out? What was their faith like in the fire, in the heat? First off, they had character. They refused to do wrong even before godless kings. They did the right thing even when no one was watching. Faith in the wild requires character. It requires an integrity that no matter who's in office, our, our, listen, our character is not dependent on a president in the United States of America, a mayor in our city, a governor, or a law that's being passed in our nation or state. Our character should be defined. The standard should be set from the word of God. These guys had character that was not shaped by their conditions. Rather, their character shaped the conditions. They didn't allow the culture to change their character. Rather, their character changed the culture. That's how bold they were. That's how strong their character was. Secondly, they had competence. We have so many people who are just living lazy in this pandemic. <laughs> just going, oh, it feels so good to just relax and watch Netflix and chill. And, you know, what's the next show coming on? And, and I'll tell you this. God works with people who are willing to get out there and put in the work. God, like God wants to give you favor, but he's looking for you to rise up and use the hands and the feet that he gave you, the mouth that he gave you. I hear people saying, man, I just wish God would do this for me. I wish God would bless me here. And I'm going, well, have you put an application in? Are you working anywhere? Are you trying? Are you putting, putting anything? We've got to rise above the lazy, complacent, apathetic faith, expecting God to do everything for us. And we got to start. James put it like this. Faith without works is dead. You tell me you have faith, but you won't even apply for a job. You won't even put your work. My dad used to say, Paul, there's money outside on the lawn. I'd be like, there is? He'd be like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of $1 bills waiting for you on the grass. Really? I'd open the window. I don't see it. He goes, you got to go out there and look a little closer. And I go outside. I still don't see the dollar bills. And he goes, well, you got to mow the lawn first and then you get paid. <laughs> you got to rake. There's a lot of money out there. There's about 20, 20 different lawns waiting for you. What was my dad teach me? The power of work. You become better at your skills when you work on them. These guys were competent. They had skills. They had a job. They were paid by the king to do certain things that no one else could do because they put the work in. Thirdly, they had compassion. Faith in the wild requires compassion. They never lost their love for other people, even in a hateful culture, even in a cancel culture. We have people right now who are literally shooting friends in the streets, telling their daughter, get out of this house. If you don't see things the way I see it, there's people just canceling family members. There's such hate going on in the world right now. And what's going to set the church apart is not sermons, but love, sermons in action, a demonstration of compassion, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, not denying strangers help, right? Because this, this last, um, during these last few months, our team, we were talking and we said, we're never going to turn anyone away who needs help. We'll give a bag of groceries, whether it's a Muslim, an atheist, someone who spits in our face. If you spit in my face, I'll still give you a bag of groceries. If you shout the F word in my face, I'll shout faith back in your face. <laughs> Forgiveness. I'll drop a better F word in your face. I forgive you in Jesus' name. Hey, come on, somebody. But compassion is not overwhelmed by the conditions. Rather, compassion changes the condition. I want the band to come up. These guys were committed. Fourthly, they had commitment. They remain loyal to God, even through the intense pressure to compromise. If we're going to make it through the wild, wild west and the wild, wild 2020s, we're going to have to be committed all in. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, one foot in with God and one foot in with whatever your flesh wants. It's time to go all in. Amen. Sixthly, they had charisma. 
They were so winsome. They lived with such a charisma that they continued to see promotions happen in their life. I see, I see a lot of people that are just walking around just, just like dead on the outside. Just, this is how I live. This is how I, this is how I worship. This is, this, is, this is how I talk to people. No expression. I'm the cover girl for the Book of Lamentations. I'm the model for the Book of Lamentations. I just, I'm so sad. I'm like, smile. Change your, change your, change your expression. I, th I think sometimes we underestimate the power of a smile, the power of choosing. God blessed you with a personality. Don't walk around so dead all the time in your high school. You're a Christian, man. You believe in God. God gave you the spirit, the, the, the power to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I don't always feel like smiling. When my dad passed, man, I was sad. I didn't always feel like rejoicing. And there's seasons where we grieve. There's seasons when we're walking through tough times. But I'm telling you, right now in 2020, so many people are just so defeated and dead on the outside. So many people are trying to figure out how to not die. They're like, how do we not die? How do we avoid the virus? How do we, how do we not die? How do we not die? I want to be talking about how do we live, man? How do we, how do we bring life? How do we bring the dead back to life? How are we going to overcome this? I heard Dr. Fauci saying right now, until there's a vaccine, the only cure is community immunity. But that requires courage from certain individuals who are willing to gather. But you can't gather. But if you do gather, that could be the cure right now for community immunity. I said, I'm gathering. Can I tell you right now, my immune system has gotten stronger being in church. I've had people come to me, they go, man, I feel like I'm getting healthier and stronger because there's a courage. There's a courage with it. Like we don't get better in isolation. Like there, let me just say this, there is a demonic agenda attached to COVID-19. COVID-19 is real, I promise you it's real. I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen people get it, I've seen how it messes with their immune system. I've also seen them overcome it very fast in, in less than 24 hours, they kick it. But there's a demonic agenda attached to this virus. And that demonic agenda is trying to get the entire world to bow down to politically correct faith. Here's the thing about King Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't outlaw Christianity. He just wanted you to bow down to his version of what Christianity should look like. Even when they said to Daniel, uh, you can't pray. They never said you can't have a, a devotion to God. We just want you to keep it private. You just need to close the doors. That I want to contain your Christianity. I want to define as long as you stand on the same side as us, as long as you see uh, marriage the way we see it, as long as there's non-binary genders and we get to define. Uh, did you know a law got passed this last week in California that allows pedophiles to have sex with kids and not go to jail for it? Things are heating up. Wake up, church. Oh, I don't want to listen to that. Uh, I gotta, you got to be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. You got to be aware. There are demonic agendas that are like, while we're arguing over masks, the enemy is stealing our nation right now. While we're arguing over ridiculous stuff, we're, we're swimming in the shallow end while the enemy is in the deep end, changing, stealing, stealing a country. And, and listen, this series is way more prophetic than you realize. It may draw a line in the sand. I, I knew preparing this, I go, 
God, I may lose some people from our church preaching what I'm about to preach, but I heard God say, you will gain the right crowd if you preach this message. You will gain the right core. There are some that may not be able to do it. Seventhly, they had courage. They had courage. These guys had courage. They faced, they faced a fire without flinching. Their courage was not in their charisma. Their courage was not in their family's last names. Their courage was not in the fact that they were born as Hebrew kids. Their courage was in the relationship they had with God. And lastly, they had convictions. They refused to eat what everyone else ate. They refused to drink what everyone else drank. They refused to live how everyone else lived. They had convictions. They had convictions. They didn't allow the conditions to change their convictions. They didn't allow the conditions of Babylon, the conditions of the Persian Empire. And I think the book of Daniel is a great book to study right now in this time. Because this was a group, they were committed to each other. They had a crew. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You are surrounding yourself with some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednegoes by coming to Victory Church this morning. You're surrounding yourself with people of faith. Don't underestimate the power of a, a solid crew. Your crew determines your view. You surround yourself with people who think like the world, they're gonna shape your worldview. You surround yourself with people who think like God and, and follow the ways of God, it's gonna shape your view. And not only will it shape your worldview, it's going to elevate your view to see victory over the virus, victory over the things the enemy's throwing. And I remember seeing this quote from this, this leader. I saw this quote in a book when I was a kid. It said, you have what you tolerate. You have what you tolerate. You have today what you tolerated yesterday. Parents, you have from your kids today what you tolerated from your kids yesterday. So when my son disrespects his mom and I just let it slide, oh, it's not a big deal. I shouldn't be surprised tomorrow if he's become even more disrespectful to his mom. That's why I gotta call that out as soon as I see it. Liam, you go back and apologize to your mom. We don't treat women like that. We have a generation today because of what we tolerated in a generation 20 years ago. We have the results today because of what we tolerated in the 90s, in the 2000s, in the 2010s. But I see a generation that is rising up, that is raising the standard, that is lifting up the banner. I see a Josiah generation. I see a Daniel generation. I see a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego generation that says, on my watch, I'm changing what's happening in my school. I'm changing what's happening in my university. I'm changing what's happening on my sports team. It's time for people to take a stand. And that starts with teachers, coaches, plumbers, electricians, business people, moms in your house. Your job is so important, more important than the preacher. I think revival's gonna start in homes before it starts in the church. It'll start outside the four walls of the church. It's gonna happen in schools, in universities, in the marketplace. These Hebrew boys were committed with courage. It says, there are some Jews who pay no attention to your commandment. Furious with rage, verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And he said, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the image of gold that I've set up? Now I'll give you one more chance. When you hear the music, you must bow down. And if you don't, I will throw you into the blazing furnace. And then what God will save you or rescue you from my hand? These guys had a greater fear of the Lord than a fear of the king. They were so courageous. Watch what they said in verse 16. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need another chance. We're gonna do what we did the first time. We're not gonna bow. You need to know when to bow and when not to bow.
I will not bow to the toxicity that's being spread across American news channels in 2020. I will not bow to the negativity and the peer pressure to shut down our church. I will not bow to the compromise to change my convictions about what a man is, what a woman is, what a marriage is, what the family is. You cannot get me to bow. I refuse to bow. I refuse to bow to racism or prejudice. I refuse to bow to hatred or bigotry. I refuse to bow to trying to fit in with one political party or the other. I refuse to bow. God's looking for some men and women who say, I refuse to bow down to fit in with what everyone else is telling me I gotta be and what I gotta do and how I gotta sound and how I gotta please this group or please that group. There's so much political pressure going on right now. As a citizen of heaven, this is not a time to shrink back to silence your voice. You are citizens of heaven. Before you're a citizen of America or any other country, you're a citizen of heaven. And as a citizen of heaven, you have a responsibility to use your voice. I wanna encourage you to vote this year. People go, oh, no, now hold on. You can, church should not be involved in politics. Do not, do not even mention it. If we don't get involved, that demonic agenda is not just gonna happen in California. It'll happen in Oklahoma and Texas, Missouri. Just watch. You'll see so much crap coming through our country if you don't use your voice. Well, you need to shut down, Paul. We just need to let the cannabis shops operate and the wine shops operate. No, it's time for the church to operate with the roar. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to wake up. You say, well, who should I vote for? You just read your Bible. I'm not gonna tell you to vote for, but you need to use your voice. Use your voice, read your Bible and pray. There are countries where they don't allow people to vote. People died for your right to vote. Well, I just think we just need to let God figure it out. What you tolerate today is what you'll have tomorrow. What you, what you don't show up for today, you're gonna be disappointed by it tomorrow. God, I just need you to fix our nation. God goes, you had a chance. You, you still have a chance. What caused theaters to open up this week? They go, if we don't open up, we won't exist next year. Everyone's gonna release movies digitally on Apple, on Hulu. We've gotta, if we don't, if churches don't open up, if you don't take a stand, if you don't take a stand, you won't have a stand to take next year. This is a year to rise up. I'm almost done. Can I, let me finish this story real quick. They said, we don't need to defend ourselves before. If you have to leave, I understand, but give me like six minutes. I promise you the end of this sermon is the best part. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your hand, King Nebuchadnezzar. But even if he does not, faith in the wild says, even if he doesn't, even if I lose my job, even if I lose my popularity, even if you cancel me on Twitter, even if you unfollow me, even if I don't get your approval, even if, even if things don't go my way, even if it's a different person in office, even if I refuse to bow down, I refuse. Listen, this church is going to be open next year, no matter who's in office. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep loving. We're going to keep giving. We're going to keep ministering. We're going to keep advancing the kingdom of God's light in the midst of whatever dark agendas are coming at us. Even if, even if, somebody say, even if. Even if God doesn't, we want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. 
They were consumed by a greater fire. To handle the fires of the world, you've got to have a greater fire inside. You've got to have a greater fuego on the inside of you. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His attitude towards them changed. The attitude of those who hate Christians has only grown worse. It's only getting hotter. If you think that things are slowing down, if you think things are chilling out, just wait. October, November of this year, you're going to see it's going to get hotter and hotter. That's why you got to get the, the, the safest place to be is in the church. Safest place to be is in his presence. I love the story C.S. Lewis wrote in The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. There was a moment when Susan found out that she was going to meet Aslan and that Aslan was a lion. And she asked Mr. Beaver, is he safe? I feel nervous about meeting a lion. Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver laughed. He said, safe? Who said anything about safe? He's not safe, but he's good, I tell you. He's the king, I tell you. God is not safe, but he's good. He's good. He's in the middle of the fire. He doesn't exempt you from the fire. He walks with you through the fire. He doesn't exempt you from 2020. If things are getting hotter in your life, you must be ticking off the devil. If things are getting hotter in your marriage, you must be ticking. You must be a threat to the enemy. God's about to bring you through that fire that you're walking through. It says, so he took them and he ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. Things are heating up. And he commanded the strongest soldiers in the army, tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bind them hand and feet. Whatever you bow to, you'll be bound to. Whatever you bow to, you'll be bound to. I would rather be bound in the fire than be bound to idolatry. I would rather be tied up and thrown in the fire standing with my God than be bound up, bowing down to an idol that, that, that completely denies God. So they were bound up. They were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent. The fire was so hot that the flames killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three men, they fell into the furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped to his feet and he asked his counselors, did you not throw three men into the fire? Certainly, your majesty. Why do I see a fourth man who's unarmed, unbound, who looks like the son of God? And he called out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, children of the most high God, come out of that fire, come up here. When they walked out of the fire, they didn't even smell like smoke. Can I tell you, I'm looking at a community immunity. You are walking through 2020, but you're coming out of this fire. You're coming out of this adversity. You're coming out of 2020, and you're not even going to smell like the stuff that the enemy tried to bring against you. You're going to walk through this. Would you stand your feet all over this place? Holy Spirit, faith in the wild. We're just getting started. Y'all thought I was going to go easy on Labor Day weekend. I came to bring the fire. Things are heating up in Tulsa. As we close, I want you to just take these three things down. Number one, faith in the wild holds to its convictions, no matter the conditions. No matter the conditions, hold to your convictions. Number two, faith in the wild believes in the supernatural and is committed to God no matter what, even if, even if I'm committed. And lastly, faith in the wild boldly shares the hope of God to the world. When these guys came out of the fire, they had a fire testimony. They had a testimony that was fueled with fire. 
And that testimony spread like a rapid fire across the whole country. People started getting saved, putting their faith in God, started changing their lives. Revival swept across. What was meant to burn the church down lit a fire inside the church to bring revival to a nation that was godless. What was meant to shut down the church in 2020 lit a fire in Victory Church to show us there is something God's called us to do for such a time as this. Jesus did not just die on the cross for a YouTube channel. He did not just go to the cross and raise from the dead so that churches could just stay online. He's called the church to be active, alive, and open for such a time as this. We are more than just an online entity. And I just, to those that are watching online, I'm so glad you're watching from wherever you are. But I challenge you, be the church in your city. Be the church wherever you live. Bring hope to your neighborhood. Go share the gospel with people. Start a connect group, start a home group. We got people in California just this last week who are starting a Victory Satellite Church right outside of Malibu, California. And they're opening their home for families all over because California is not letting churches open. Some guys are defying the orders and opening, but these people, they live in an area where there's no church that's open right now. So they're opening their home and they're starting a Victory Church in their community. Wherever you're watching from, I believe God has called this house for such a time as this. God's called you. I believe even as I was preaching, God was stirring courage in you. Would you just close your eyes this morning if you're here right now and you're going through a fire and you just need courage, you need boldness, you need God's help right now. Would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray for you before we dismiss. Yeah, maybe it's a fire in your marriage, a fire in your house. Maybe it's a fire of oppression, just feeling attacked by the enemy left and right. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed with pressure stressed, anxious, afraid. I feel to pray for people too that have just had a pressure about finances, your job. Like either you lost your job or you're afraid you're gonna lose your job and there's just been, finances has just been a real fear on your mind or heart. If that's you, raise your hand. That's a fire, that's a fire. But I hear God say, I'm gonna bring you through this. I'm gonna bring you, you are not gonna die in that fire. You are not gonna die in that fire. Lastly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with God, but I want to get right with God. Today's the day to do it. Today's the day to get snatched out of the fire of hell, snatched out of the fire of addiction, sin, darkness, whatever it is. If that's you, you're saying, I need Jesus. I need his love, his forgiveness. Just raise your hand. Today's your day. Let's give a big hand clap today for those that just raised their hands. Come on. Heaven is rejoicing with you. I know I've gone way over time, but let's pray this together today. Just say, Jesus. I'm all yours. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. You rose from the dead. I put my faith in you. I repent of sin. I receive your forgiveness, your salvation, your faith. And in these wild times, I will walk by faith. I will live with courage. I will hold on to conviction from your word. Help me, Lord Jesus. I trust in you. I will not die in the fire. You're bringing me out with a testimony. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you. God bless you. You have the victory.